Well, it was a crazy weekend in Australia for F2 and F3. Welcome to episode 8 of Formula Talk, where we're here to discuss the F2 and F3 Australian Grand Prix review. My name is Sophia, and joining me, we got some new faces this time. We have Philip Matthew from Gripship Podcast. Hello. Hello. How are you? I'm great. Uh, glad to be on the new show here. Uh, we're going and staying busy with the whole uh, Grid Talk family here this afternoon. So it's great to be here with you, Sophia, and uh, looking forward to talking about all the different races that we're going to be talking about here today. Yeah, I absolutely can't wait. And joining me as well is Jared. Hi, from Hit the hello. Apex. Hey, how are we? <laughs> yeah. Oh, as an Aussie who's been to this race, how excited are you to talk about this weekend, this roundup? Yeah, well, thank you for having me on. And yeah, it is exciting to be able to you know, use my little fact-finding mission about um, the junior series, which I don't really watch on this side of the world a whole lot. So it was just great exposure and, you know, trying to learn all the drivers and all the different um, bit of race craft that you see. I can see why everyone enjoys it because it is quite chaotic. <laughs> oh, definitely. We'll definitely go into it uh, in this episode because it's been absolutely so many crashes, so many flags, so many yellow cars, so many, even a disqualification of an entire team, which we'll get into that in a moment. But before we get into the episode, we must thank our sponsor, Bet Online. Bet Online remains your number one source for all your college basketball betting this season. Get analysis of every play, prop, and point on Bet Online. You'll find the latest odds, bracket contests, team matchups, and game trends at Bet Online. Updated odds from everything like live games, ch- uh, ooh, conference championships, right through the Final Four and Championship game. Bet Online is your college basketball headquarters this season. Head to our website today or use your mobile device to sign up and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Be sure to use our promo code BLEAVE, that is B-L-E-A-V, uh, to receive your bonus. BetOnline.ag, where the game starts. So let's get into it. Formula 2. It was just a crazy weekend with the weather, like, I'll just start off. The weather was the biggest factor that entire weekend. We had free practice that actually was cut short. We had qualifying cut short, not just for F2, but F3. This is a track that the, no driver's really ever been on. So how much of an effect? That was a great, a, wow, <laughs> can't even speak right now. It was an amazing effect to how these drivers performed because they had to, like, show their skill and their development. Philip, what do you think? How How is it for you? I mean, having to go to a brand new circuit for the first time and not having a lot of time at all, both in, in practice and qualifying, and then basically uh, having to set out for two races is definitely not ideal. Um, and, cons- and also considering how close the battles are in these two series, that kind of makes it kind of a, an interesting recipe. Uh, certain drivers, of course, did step up and, um, and, it, and it proves once again, I guess, for what we're looking at early in the season on who we might be seeing as the champion. But uh, you just have to go out there and figure it out as quick as possible and do the best you can, really. That's, that's all you can do. And some of the more veteran drivers in this series... Uh, did that, and uh, that's what what it's all about. And 
Um, I mean, the the weekend itself, I mean, Jawad can talk about it. You, you got F2, F3, the supercars, and Formula One, and trying to run four supercars races, run two races for the F2 and F3. And then, oh, yeah, you need to get practice sessions qualifying and the Australian Grand Prix in there, too. Um, the logistics in that is uh, pretty crazy. So um, credit to the people who run the Grand Prix uh, to get all that stuff in. Yeah, definitely. I mean, Jared, <laughs> how soaking were you? Were you actually like on the circuit? Were you able to find kind of shelter throughout this entire weekend? Because the downpour, it was two o'clock in the morning, my time. Uh, props to y'all for <laughs> used to getting up at this time. I could not. <laughs> and <laughs> the rain, uh, the amount of coffee, I was feeling like three coffees that entire day, each day. But how was it for you seeing everything live? And whereabouts were you watching it from? Yeah, so um, f- for the qualifying session on Friday, I was in the media centre at the time because it was just after FP2 had finished for F1. So it was like, okay, let's stick around and see how qualifying goes. And then because the rain had started, I didn't realise it was going to intensify as much as it did. I had my little radar app going and I'm like, oh, you know, it doesn't look too bad. And, you know, I was also trying to plan my getaway from the circuit as well because 130-odd thousand people there almost every day, you know, you have to try and plan what time you're going to leave so you don't get the crowds. Um, but, yeah, like what a what a session it was. There was cars going off everywhere uh you know there was excitement because in practice we saw jack doing go fastest so the the local lad of course and seeing his dad there as well the legendary mick doing um from motorcycle racing so and it didn't end up being such a great weekend for him in the races but yeah like what a session seeing iwasa and pusher go to the front and everything so it really tested them and like phil said too it's a circuit that None of them are going to have to, they're not going to be familiar with unless they've played it on the F1 games. It's probably the only thing in the world you could play Albert Park on. So, yeah, it was just one big learning exercise. And, you know, the maturity of the ones who come forward, you know, that's who you see as being contenders ultimately. Yeah, definitely. So as you mentioned, Oasa was able to take pole position for qualifying in F2 with Teo Kocher, who I've said on multiple podcasts, but George and Tom as well, that's kind of one of our drivers to look out for for this entire season so far. Had a bit of an issue previous in Jeddah, but obviously kind of have jumped back to it. So with um, the reverse grid, because again, sprint race is the top 10 in Formula 2 will be reversed. We had Dennis Hauger take pole. However, he stayed on pole. <laughs> but from lights to flag, obviously there was a few safety cars. And again, weather was a big issue um, on the Saturday. Well, Saturday, yeah. Technically, it was like close to Friday night, my time, because of the time difference and everything. But Saturday for most of the people watching. Um, just he had a good race. He was battling with Jack Crawford a few times, his uh, Red Bull junior counterpart. But... It was just a masterclass on Dennis because he was able just to keep his nerve down, keep out of any issues and just drive consistently, even with the ever-changing weather, with all the different safety cars. And tire strategies were a big key part of that as well, switching to when to go to the wets and when to drop off from the wets. Um, 
back to Phil. What do you, wh- how was your take about um, the sprint race for F2? Yeah, I mean, for you think about the sprint and Hauger going and coming through with the victory. I mean, he's he, driving for MP. Uh, they, they're the defending uh, constructors champions or teams champions in the series. And to go and beat uh, a fellow Red Bull driver, development driver, is, uh, is a good thing for him. Um, Jack Crawford, of course, is well regarded within the Red Bull uh, junior team, which is expansive it seems like hundreds of people are on it so the fact that jack crawford hasn't been screwed over by uh, marco and them is is a credit to him i guess he says and does the right things and he has proven that he has pace and what is it his third race in f2 and he gets a second place finish in a sprint i also uh credit to kushmini one of the two indian drivers on the grid as well um, to get a podium finish. He had good pace in F3 at times. Now he's getting into F2. Uh, usually I'm always looking for the Americans and the Indian drivers, just my personal, because of my upbringing, where I come from. So um, I was happy. I kind of was more happy about who finished second and third, uh, but you you got the, the diversity of the how all the different teams, uh, the competitiveness there is in this um category hauger only winning by 1.1 second shows that uh you have great competition and um i mean in terms of the likes of teo pocher who's a likely one of the next people who will be on the formula one grid an unfortunate uh dnf for him uh losing some ground in the points but i think as the season goes on we're gonna see more of teo pocher uh Put him, put himself out there, and and really um, take a hold of the championship. If I mean, uh, the likes of the guy we're going to talk about here shortly doesn't go and run away with it. Definitely. I mean, with Teo Porcher as well, he has Victor Martins, who's proven himself already that he is a good contender, having taken pole and having taken some wins and podiums in his last couple of rounds so far, but. Looking at like the podium, so Dennis Hager was able to take podium, followed by Jack Crawford and Kashmani, as all mentioned by Phil. And then Arthur Leclerc finishing P4. He has not had the best season so far with moving over to Dams, moving into Formula 2, I should say, as well, given that he was with Formula 3 with Prema um, these last couple of years. Quite a great result for him as well. And I've said this on all my episodes when I do my predictions. Zane Maloney, the boy from Barbados, God of the Islands. Uh, I'm so happy he's kind of finishing top five. Obviously, I would love for him to finish the podium, given that that was my predictions when I was talking to George in our previous episode, which you can listen back when you search F1 Chronicle on Spotify and YouTube and Apple Podcasts as well. But it's it's been quite an interesting one. But... Looking into the following day in the feature race, now, again, (laughs) safety cars. We had two safety cars, a a red flag, some great overtaking as well throughout the race. And it was Oasa who, again, similar to Dennis Hauger, who started on pole and finished on the top place. Gerald, how how was it? What what was your take on the entire race? Well, 
sorry, the way Iwasa got away, he kind of just walked to the win. And, you know, if you just look at the results on, on paper, you wouldn't see what unfolded or you wouldn't understand what unfolded behind him. It was a good race for him. But, yeah, behind um, the weather's probably been the best it had been all weekend for the F2 drivers to run. But, yeah, there was just so much going on. Um, Paul Crawford ended up in the barriers and whatnot. Uh, Jack Dewan, I think, got spun by one Manuel Correa as well. Um, I heard Hadjir on the radio screaming about there was a pit stop um, bungle with Ola Bierman as well. So there was just a lot going on in that race. And then ultimately, um, the way it concluded as well under a safety car, you know, um, even the day before we had the two lap restart and I wanted to say how that's, that's how a safety car restart should be done with the way the driver is able to um, actually get to the checkered flag without creating more chaos. So yeah, um, the, yeah, just unpacking it all was like, whoa, this is a, cause F2 and F3 on the Sunday, the feature races were run. So F2 was like a, 10 to 9 in the morning um, and F2, I think, was like 10.30 or um, closer to 11. So perfect way to start your Sunday morning is to listen to the rocket ships that these cars are. And i got to say, I've only ever heard F2 and F3 once before, and that was in Abu Dhabi 2014. So to see where they are now with the sound and everything, especially the backfire, oh, goodness it's it sounds glorious so anyway just waking up and everything and then watching this sort of race unfold it was really exciting definitely i've seen clips of like on tiktok because i love following tiktok and f1 is quite all over my for you page and it's been interesting some of the clips i can see and it's like it's showing the same corner like the f3 cars the f2 cars and the f1s and the difference f2 and f3 sorry f2 and f1 sound quite similar but F3 is in the league of its own, and then it's just F2's backfire sounds. It's a weird kind of blend to it, which is absolutely crazy. But, yeah, I mean, there's so much that we can unpack about this weekend. Um, we don't have as much time as I would love to. I would love to spend hours talking about this, but <laughs> trying to keep it under 45 minutes for sure about per episode. But, Overall, I mean, yeah, pit strategies were quite a big thing. Uh, the fact that obviously going back to even the sprint race as well, doing the two lap compared to how it was in Formula One and the issues with how do we finish the race and all that, it, it was quite a difference on how the FIA took it compared to, because obviously FIA manages F1, F2, and F3. So like even the difference of choices made under the safety cars and the flags was quite an interesting take on it, which... I don't think a lot of people have actually discussed that that it's the same situation, yet two different outcomes on how the race was ending, which is confusing, <laughs> to say the least, 100%. Um, but yeah, so the podium for the F2 feature race was Awasa, obviously, Teo Porcher uh, taking second, and then Arthur Leclerc, his first F2 podium as a rookie driver. And to be fair... I think George actually got his prediction almost right. He has said Teo Pacera and Arthur Leclerc was potentially going to get on podium with maybe Jack Dewan. So 
fair to him. My productions have been absolutely off the mark every single episode. I think it's going to be a running joke how bad my predictions will be. I'm getting my top five all right, I think. Zane Maloney finishing in top five again. Um, but looking at the standings because of that, Oas has been able to take the lead over Ralph Walsh, given that Ralph had no points for the last two weekends. Um not last two weekends, last two races, sorry, in the sprint and the feature. And we'll see how it goes. I mean, yeah, temperature again, we'll just keep on going for it. Frederick Bessie, who won obviously in Jeddah, yes, Jeddah, um, did quite well. And then a few other people, Jack Dewin, hometown hero, was able to finish eighth in the feature, which was his higher finish compared to the sprint race. Now, F3. <sighs> Very similar case in qualifying and in free practice, sessions ending earlier than was expected. Lots of damages, lots of crashes. We saw Tommy Smith, for example, another hometown hero, uh, an Aussie driver who was kind of posed maybe to be a favorite, even though they've only raced once this round this season so far. Um, lots of crashes. And this is the second round out of seven for Formula 3. So, They've had a break for about two to three weeks, which is probably a lot of people will be in the Sims testing. Those who are reserve drivers, sorry, or junior drivers for other teams probably might work with them. But to go from a secure track to an absolute no understanding track is quite a big, big jump. Um, Jed, what what would you take on it? Like how much how much of a difference was F2 to F3 for you watching it? Um, quite a significant difference. And you can see that with, uh, driving standards and even just the way that they, um, you can hear them on the team radio as well. Uh, a, a lot of them get hot under the collar quite quickly, which, you know, doesn't get you very far, um, when you go further up, uh, the ranks and, you know, there's, there's a, there's a son of a particular former XF1 driver who I remember, got hot under the collar quite well but um and and he did really well to finish on the podium as well on one of the days so that was good to see young Sebastian Montoya and his dad Juan Pablo there as well so um again affected by the weather as well and you know it's just it's a test of it's a real test of your character as a driver how well you can adapt to these conditions and you know the track was quite slippery all weekend, you know, with with a kind of grip and different tyre compounds being used across the different categories as well. So, you know, for, for it to unfold as it did, I think, you know, it, it was quite a success and the category as a whole will be looking forward to it, um, to seeing how they go in the future when they come back here. But, yeah, like big, big difference between F2 and F3, I think. Yeah, definitely. I mean, just there's also, I would say, majority of the entire grid of F3 is rookies. Half of the grid is almost rookies. Um, some of them have really minimal single-seater background. Uh, we discussed it in a previous episode looking at the drivers for F2 and F3 where some races have, drivers have only been in single-seater for two, three years and they're already in Formula 3 and they didn't even race in like regionals. They've just kind of moved from karting even to single-seater. So it definitely we've said multiple times it's more a show of the skill and the natural ability for these drivers because it's a whole new game 
if they were to race in Jeddah, it would have been the same kind of situation as well for some of these drivers, but it's a whole new bar- ballpark for a lot of these drivers. And so qualifying actually was the exact same three drivers uh, to fit the round of the top three will um, then it was for Bahrain, which was Gabriel Botzlato was able to take pole, given that he also was able to secure points, given that he t- took him pole. Joining him on the front row was Gregor Sassi. And again, that will be the that was the starting lineup for the Sunday feature race. But with the reverse, it was. Now, <laughs> oh, Sebastian Montoya. Yeah, that makes so much sense, given that we were just talking about him. Sorry, brain just absolutely scattered. So he was able to take the reverse grid pole for the sprint race um, as he finished 12th. Um, again, F3, it's top 12 will reverse compared to F2 with the reverse. But sprint race, there was a bit of an issue towards the end to see who actually won the race. Um, technically, it was Franco Colapinto who standed on the podium and received the trophy. However, shortly after, it was decided that he wasn't the race winner. Um, and this was due to MP Motorsport as a whole team getting disqualified due to a technical infringement. Um, so with Franco finishing first, uh, Mary Boyer finished ninth and Johnny Edgar, which was 11th. So two drivers in uh, yeah, two drivers in the points being DQ'd. Um, it meant that Zach O'Sullivan, who has been in the game for ages-ish, three years, two to three years, in F3, was able to take his pole, um, take the win. Sebastian Montoya was able to get into second. And Paul Aaron was able to take his first ever podium for Prema in his rookie year. Philip, what was your take on the sprint? Because it was an interesting race, 50-50, but Franco was quite consistent. It was just that DQ just came out of the blue. Yeah, going and having your whole entire team uh, disqualified after the race has got to really be a brutal pill, and especially for Franco Colapinto, who has shown a lot of poise relative to some of his uh, compatriots out there on the grid somebody that I would say is one of those people to look at uh, as we go along through the season. Unfortunate to make to lose that win. It puts them on the back foot in terms of the points. Uh, you know, so you go out there, you win the race, and then you end up not having anything to show for it. I mean, Colapinto now went from having 25 points or 10 points, uh, which would have basically... Uh, moved him up right into the mix really for the for basically from third on back and he um, the the weekend ended up just going away from him Uh, for Zach O'Sullivan a recovery from not having any points at secure to go and uh, uh, get that win uh, driving for um, yeah yeah Colapinto is currently 12th. That's right. And then uh, Zach O'Sullivan moves up with his results from the whole weekend into the top 10, driving for one of the better teams on the grid, of course, in Prema. And uh, being a Williams Jr. driver, I mean, I doubt he's going to be up there anytime soon, but he is somebody they are looking at uh, amongst their junior driver contingent. And uh, getting that win, it's a good thing for him, good momentum. 
in your when you're in a premise seat, you have to win. You have to be up front. That's just kind of the deal. They've been winning ever since the new formula for Formula 3 has come along. They have been essentially the best team. And so you have to be good or else, I mean, you're probably going to be done. So good for Zach O'Sullivan there to get that victory. Uh, Sebastian Montoya uh, getting out there and getting a second-place finish. Uh, good job by him. I mean, trying to learn on the fly, really, last year, driving LMP2s both in the United States and in Europe with his dad, his legendary father. And now you're jumping in an F3. Uh, it's going to be a lot, a long learning curve, but he has shown over time the potential that he has. And, you know, you having to live up to the shadow, be under, in the shadow of a, a father who's won in so many different types of motorsports is tough. But Sebastian's doing the best he can. So credit to him on that. And then, um, for Aaron, it's the same deal. You know, when you're driving for Prema, you got to perform. And so credit to him uh, uh, getting that podium with the way that everything reset three Prema's in a top five and two high techs as well. So, um, and then Trident up there. So the top seven were three teams. So something to look at as we move forward, I would say. Oh, 100%. Prem is like one of the most iconic um, teams that come out of F2 and F3, given that they have supported a lot of current F1 drivers and previous F1 drivers in their careers as well. But yeah, my heart breaks for Franco. Like he was P6 and then took pole, like took the top position. Like that's a big feat. Like we see some good overtaking that takes place. But again, this track is narrow and it's fast and it's unknown. So some of the overtakes that took place throughout this entire week, that entire weekend was absolutely, you wouldn't see it in an F1 car. I'll say that hundred percent. Like these drivers like to take the risks because they're trying to fight for it hundred percent. And yeah, unfortunately with the D the disqualification, Franco was running in fourth leading into the feature race, but because of that, he, he dropped down to 12. Um, at that time, Gabriel Bartolo was able to still lead the way in the, the championship and everything forward. But yeah, I'm, I'm excited for these rookies. These rookies have actually stepped up a lot more than what I was expecting. I was expecting the people that have raced one, two years plus in F3 would actually be more of a gap. Um, like I said, Gabriel Bartolo is what, uh, leading the uh, standings compared to we thought Gregor Sassi, who had a great preseason and a great Bahrain race. He's now currently, he's not even in the top three, which is quite a surprising thing. Like these rookies are taking a hundred percent of the lead for it. And it's great to see as well, because they're willing to get their elbows out. They're willing to kind of fight for it a hundred percent. Yeah. So, I mean, leading into the feature race, as mentioned, Gabriel Watzeletto uh, was taking pole, and very similar to F um, F two, he took the win. Um, literally kept his perfect race record because as he did win in Bahrain, and it's been only two rounds so far, he's currently two for two, which is for a rookie for Trident as well. It's such a great feat for them. Trident's been a uh, under the radar kind of team for a little bit. They kind of made some noise with Zane and a few other drivers last season, but I think this is this is becoming potentially their season to kind of 
run with the championship. Hopefully, we'll see. There's only about five more races, uh, five more rounds to take place. But yeah, I mean, there was two safety cars again, similar to uh, the feature race in F2. Um, Judd, what what was your take on it? Yeah, so Bortoletto becoming a bit of a feature race specialist, having won, as you said, uh, last time out as well. So it's it's very important to show that maturity and, you know, that's the kind of um, driving skill that's going to get you up the rank. And, yeah, he's doing quite well so far. But, yeah, like you said as well, um, a few safety cars, a bit of um, carnage in the midfield and whatnot. So another interesting race. Who did we have second? Gregory Saucy. And um, sorry, I'm looking at the wrong <laughs> looking at the wrong thing. Yeah. Gabriel Mini, P3. So literally the Gabriel same Mini, standing. P3. Yeah. Same standing like, as, oh, the, yeah. <laughs> as the qualifying. <laughs> Yeah, I was looking at the championship standings and whatnot. So, yeah, no, so great job from those guys. And like you said, Trident, you don't expect them to be up there team-wise. So, you know, Bortoletto is doing a great job to get them over there. There was contact as well between Montoya and Christian Mansell, I remember, during the race as well, which was a bit um, hectic and some other stuff going on down there. But like you say the overtaking i love how they just go for it you know they're not just like cool we're gonna wait till turn nine for a pass with drs we're just gonna literally try and pass wherever we can and because the cars are so narrow they can but the grip is an issue with the with the tires so they end up being quite bold definitely i mean like um to be fair we actually had an australian in the points in F3 of Christian Mansell finishing P10, even with the hit, as you mentioned, um, which is quite, it's good feeling. Like, I mean, especially with some of these um, drivers who don't have opportunities, who aren't European based as well. Like this is some of the closest near um, home drive, uh, home race. There's no Kiwis on the grid anymore, given that Marcus Armstrong has left and um, Liam Lawson, no, Liam Lawson, is he in New Zealand or is he Australian? He's New Zealand, yeah, yeah. And he's in Super Formula at the moment. But and he's, he's taken pole as of today in Super yeah. Formula uh, in Fiji, for, uh, Fuji, I think, yeah, Fuji race, uh, Fuji round, which I just saw just before recording this. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I mean, even Tommy Smith, P, uh, like, yeah, P12 in the feature race, obviously out of the points, but given that he had that really bad crash the previous day, um it's so nice to see, like, I, I love to see these drivers, especially the, when it's like the home races try to do good. And it's always nice to have feeling on points. Like we saw that with Oscar Piastri as well, taking his first po- uh, his first points in F1 um, on that weekend as well. But yeah, as mentioned, it was pretty much the same standings as the start of the grid for the top three with Gabriel Bortoletto for Trident, followed by Gregor Sarsi for ART and Gabriel Mini for high tech, another rookie. These rookies are just coming out of it. And like even Leonardo Fanoli for Trident, again, like you have two Tridents in the top four. That's a great feeling for them. Um, off the back of even last season was quite good with them, as mentioned. I think it's going to be a very close race. I think it's going to be probably those three 
will be probably the main contenders, given that there's only a few more rounds going forward. But absolutely crazy. I'm so there's a bit of a break for F2 and F3. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. Hugh Barter as well. Thank you. Completely. I hate to say completely forgot. But yeah, doing quite well as well. He finished P15 for Campos. Uh, Campos has had some ups and downs um, in F3. Did well in F2 with Ralph Walsh on um, in the last couple of rounds. But it, it's going to be quite an interesting season. I'm excited. And again, these rookies are ready to come out for it 100%. I'm, I think it's good. Like I said, it's going to be anybody's um, top three. I think we'll probably run with it. But who out of the top three will probably be kind of the deciding. I think we'll go all the way down to, um, I think, Monza more than anything else. But yeah, so... As mentioned in previous episodes, F2 and F3 follow the F1 calendar. So those who love F1 know that we are unfortunately on a break at the moment till end of April uh, before we return to Baku. F2 will be racing in Baku. F3 used to race in Baku. However, because it is an F1 sprint race, F3 will not be taking place on the calendar this season, which... Back is one of my favorite tracks. It's one of my favorites, especially for F2 and F3. Again, it's a street circuit. It's fast. It's unpredictable. Like, oh, oh I'm, I'm glad I'm going to miss the F3. But F2 should still be interesting for the race given. However, there's a few other races that took place. We had IndyCar return for the first time in over a month after an amazing opener of a season. Um, we went to the oval of the Texas Speedway and lots of yellow flags, cautions, not yellow flags as, as they like to call it, but, oh, such a great race. Phil, give us a rundown of the IndyCar. Let's hear it. I mean, it was a battle between, uh, Pato Award, uh, for the McLaren team and Joseph Newgarden, the two-time IndyCar Series champion for Penske, the defending race winner of uh, at Texas, passing his teammate Scott McLaughlin on the outside on the final lap, which was gutting for me as a McLaughlin fan. But I do, I mean, in the end with IndyCar, I have my fandom, but I root for a lot of different guys in that series. But Newgarden's one of the best. Uh, he made his name initially as an oval guy, and then once he, as he's built along the way, he's become an all-arounder. Um, qualifying, he was in the top five there with award. Uh, the McLaren team took three out of the top five spots. You know, Scott Dixon was the only one. And then uh, the other team that was up there, of course, was Ganassi with Dixon, uh, Takuma Sato, who's doing an oval-only schedule, sharing with Marcus Armstrong. Uh, this year in the fourth Ganassi car and Alex Pillow, the champion a couple of years ago. Uh, but in the end, it was those two guys that dominated the race and um, they, they led virtually the entire thing outside of those two guys. There was a uh, 33, uh, 36 laps led by and the rest of the field. So there was there six guys that led for 36 laps um, outside of that. So they led out of the 250 laps, uh, 220 or so were led by those two and award, uh, late in the race just got, they had a battle with each other there in the late race and they're giving back to four back and forth going with each other. And, 
uh, award had a chance to win at St. Pete. It kind of got away from him because of a caution. And then in this case, uh, it got away from him again late. But for for Pato, for a guy who is known for, who has had his struggles in terms of um, finishing races or getting the, the full the points and the results that he needs uh, to go out there and get two consecutive second place finishes, coming off of a month break, uh, utilizing the uh, momentum that they had from last year uh, on the ovals. It's a good thing for him. He And he holds a seven-point lead over uh, Marcus Erickson, former Formula One driver, uh, defending Indianapolis 500 winner, winner at St. Pete, of course, uh, in the month of March, at the start of the month of March. Uh, didn't he finish in the top 10 uh, last week, but uh, wasn't really a factor. And, uh, you know, Polo finished third, led 22 laps. He looks like somebody, he looks like he's back to where he was a couple of years ago, more than what was going on last year. Of course, he's kind of a lame duck because he's signed by McLaren. So he's going to be going there. I don't know who's going to leave more than likely Rosenquist, but they haven't said that officially. Uh, Malukas, David Malukas, the rookie from last year, finishing fourth, has really shown uh, uh, to be very adept on the ovals. And Scott Dixon, the ageless wonder, gets another top five finish. Uh, Scott McLaughlin finishing sixth. Colton Herta with a new uh, a strategist, not his father, Brian, getting moved over to Kyle Kirkwood, who got into um, some stuff with uh, Alexander Rossi. Um, Marcus Erickson, Callum Eilat with another uh, top 10 finish. So great start to the season for him, the former junior driver in F2 and F3. And uh, he's driving for Junkos, the smallest team on the grid. So two top 10 finishes so far is great for him. And Elio Castro-Neves getting a top 10 for uh, the uh, Meyer Shank racing team. Uh, so good, good progress for that organization as they are looking, of course, he's looking for that fifth Indianapolis 500 victory. Um, Roman Grosjean was up there for a lot of the race and then wrecked late to end the race. But um, he is he has been really, really good on the ovals. And Andretti does have speed. They always seem to have speed at Indianapolis. So we'll see what he can do this year. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it was a great race. The Chevys look like they had uh, a lot of pace, uh, but it was really the two and the five that did all the pacing and, uh, we'll see what happens. We got long beach coming up. One of the classics in IndyCar, one of the classics in general for, um, street course racing. So, uh, everyone wants to win long beach. It means a lot on your, on, in your career, if you can win that race. And so we'll see what happens. A lot of guys who have won it, a lot of guys who want to win the Grand Prix of Long Beach. So that'll be coming up uh, next week. Yeah, it's pretty much like you want to win, obviously, the Indy 500, but then you also have Monterey, you also have St. Pete's, and then you have Long Beach. Like, those are, like, the main ones kind of to look out for. But, yeah, as you mentioned, it's next week. Um, It's around 3 p.m. American time, Eastern time, so that's probably about 7 p.m. UK time, thereabouts on the Saturday? Is it the Saturday? Sunday. Sunday. Uh, Sunday, yeah, because sometimes they do race on the Saturday as well, so it's a little bit kind of confusing. So we'll probably be discussing that roundup on the next couple of episodes going forward as well. Um, not that much 
besides that, uh, Formula E kind of took a bit of a break as well. Um, there's nothing really coming up on that calendar. There's the, as mentioned, with Liam Lawson in the Super Formula, which races in Japan. Uh, GB4 is taking place um, as of the time of this recording this weekend on the 8th of April. But it's a quiet couple of weeks. Um, Tom and I have discussed about uh, F1 Academy, even George as well, on previous episodes about F1 Academy. That also starts towards the end of this month. So we'll definitely be diving into that a bit more into detail. But yeah. Um, oh, so Lawson actually did win in Super Formula. Last time I checked, he took pole. So who was i i've been now i feel like i'm out of the loop now about this which is really bad given <laughs> should be discussing it um jared any news from that or oh no i just saw the the headline um when i woke up earlier that he won so good on him i think he's the first driver in a few decades to actually win on his debut so it's quite special i guess to um be able to put that on his resume and yeah you know Lawson not in F2 this year doing something different like we saw Pierre Gasly I think went off and did Super Formula as well um after uh GP2 at the time so you know is the path to F1 going to be there for him and it'd be nice to see another New Zealand driver because you know we Australians do like our Kiwi brothers and sisters so um, it would be good to see him on the grid. Of course, the last New Zealand driver in F1, Brendan Hartley, sadly didn't live up to the um, high standards that I had for him. Um, but yeah, Lawson seems like a pretty chill bloke. And it was really cool earlier this year seeing him take, I think, the Red Bull RB7 around Mount Panorama as well. So, you know, it was great to see him take the wheel of that car and um, such an iconic track as well. Yeah, definitely. That, that's quite, yeah. I mean, obviously, when drivers do leave F2 and F3, because obviously, in a lot of their mind, the goal is, I want to get into F1. But given there's not that much seats, given that a lot of drivers have super long-term contracts, it's very difficult. Hence why a lot of drivers have moved to IndyCar, have moved to other kind of uh, disciplines within the motorsport kind of world. But it's great that he's been able to, move and done so well like you said he took pole for the first race of the season and now he's actually taking the win i think that's a great on i i wish he did say in f2 but it's just seats more than anything else in discussion he's been in the game for a long time and just wasn't as close challenging even last season for it but there's been a few other like red bull juniors that kind of moved around and everything Alex Blow, Nick Cassidy, as Phil has mentioned through conversations and such, where they've done well, but just nothing forward to them. I mean, Phil, what's your take on that? Yeah, I mean, the Red Bull, we could go down a rabbit hole with Red Bull junior drivers, honestly. I mean, I've next episode, other, we'll yeah, do that. <laughs> one of the grid, grid talk shows, I went down that list, but and I've done it on my show too, but. Uh, for Liam Lawson, he's definitely got the talent to go and beat the defending series champion, to be a non-Japanese driver and win Super Formula or compete. That's what it speaks to, like Cassidy, who won the championship, drove in Japanese GT, then he, or Super GT as I call it now, and now he's moved on to Formula E and in sports cars. You have Polo, 
moved to IndyCar uh, with Team Go, and then got the Ganassi deal, and we see where he is now. And driving with McLaren and Formula One, testing and stuff, and will be there. Uh, and, you know, I think Liam Lawson's the same kind of deal. If Red Bull actually had some foresight and wanted to come back to America, there's plenty of teams that could definitely do the job. Uh, now that, you know, Dietrich has sadly passed away, who knows, maybe there might be a market for them to come back in open wheel, especially in IndyCar, because it's a viable product. Uh, and there are teams that would definitely love the influx of cash um, and uh, would take on two junior drivers. And when you consider that, uh, like Enzo Fittipaldi is a great example, his grandfather is uh, the legendary Indianapolis 500 and IndyCar and Formula One world champion Emerson Fittipaldi. You know, you got other drive, you got Jack Crawford. Yeah, so there's other options there. Um, for the Red Bull drivers. And I think for Lawson, I think it's a great move for him. And it also angles, puts him in a good position if he wanted to dovetail that into WEC or prototype racing, since there's so many factory prototype seats out there now uh, with the new uh, convergence formula that they have. Yeah, 100%. I mean, there's so many Red Bull junior drivers. We see it currently on the F2 and F3 grid. You can't even tell what team they even drive for because they're all in Red Bull cars, which props to the commentators. I know Chris McCarthy and Alex Brundle, uh, hearing them talk about it, and Harry Benjamin as well, um, talk about trying to pick out the drivers. It's quite a bit of a challenging feat. But to wrap up, I mean... Jared, what was your take overall? How was the weekend for you? Any interesting stories? Any funny stories? Did you meet any drivers? Um, no, no meeting anyone apart from press conferences and just walking past. I remember a couple of times I'd be walking back to my car to leave for the day and just casually following a driver and, you know, them giving you a look and me giving them a look. I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah. But I'm, I'm very low key when it comes to that sort of stuff. I leave the, the sort of a fandom side to, to other people. And there was plenty of that over the weekend. It was good to see actually people on this side of the world um, and their love for the F2 and F3 drivers, even though it's not something we get to see regularly. Um, probably one of the biggest stories coming out of it was, and it kind of ties into the supercars championship as well. So currently the way that the Albert park pit complex is built is um, you've obviously got your pit lane for F1 and F2 and F3 use that during the weekend. And then at the back, there's a standalone pit lane for where the supercars are and their garages and everything. So with F2 and F3 having signed on for the next decade, effectively, to race here in Australia, um, a lot of the team personnel and whatnot were not really happy with their paddock arrangements. So supercars gets its own paddock because it's got those garages and obviously there's the F1 paddock and everything. Um, but for F2 and F3, they literally set them up um, in tents on the grass behind, which made it really good for fans for accessibility and to be able to see and whatnot. But um given that, you know, these European teams, big European teams are used to um, a lot better. I think they're pushing to possibly take over the garage space that the supercars currently occupy because supercars' contract with the Grand Prix is up, at I think, at the end of next year. So, And there are plans for the long-term um, 
future of Albert Park, given that they are on such a long deal with F1 to, I think, redevelop or like make a new pit building, pit lane building and everything. And part of that plan moving forwards is also to implement F2 in there at least. So, you know, that, that'll be that'll be big if they um, decide to shaft supercars, which is the biggest um, category here in Australia for Formula 2. And I think that would be a big win for Formula 2. So we'll see how it goes. I really enjoyed it, though, the accessibility and everything, you know, fans being able to get up close with these um, young drivers and for them to kind of not be in that um that shielded sort of environment you know to to get that fan interaction going and it's good learning for when you do make it up the ranks and you know you do become a Max Verstappen say or you know Charles Leclerc who they're in big demand whenever they walk past you um for autographs and selfies that's awesome I mean I'm hoping I want to go to one of the races this year work permitting and accreditation of, uh, permitting but it sounds like amazing i see it on social media between yourself and a few others i have spoken to off and on the the seasons and everything it just seems like a great opportunity the only issue is 130,000 people that's double my population in one small area that is daunting to think of <laughs> well for the four across the four days it was 444,000 no. for the mm-hmm. for the weekend and that broke last year's record of 420,000 so you know for those who say f1 isn't popular at the moment goodness like it's it's like a it's like a festival it's like a big festival this grand prix which is why i i, I love it I mean, I'll reiterate that like 130 is double a country's population. I'll be in a small country, but still a country's population. That is scary. No, my anxiety would never. <laughs> I could not. Why do you think I was happy being up in the media center and not having to mix it with the punters? (laughs) That's why I'll wait. I'll wait till I get my media accreditation, hopefully down the line and everything and be like, I'm just going to stick into my corner. I don't care. Just away from people, away from the crowds. hundred percent. But yeah, so that is the end of episode eight for formula talk. I just want to say thank you to my two panelists for joining me for this episode. And obviously Philip, where can we hear you? Good shit podcast as well, yeah? Yeah, we can. Uh, thanks for that, uh, Sophia. You can hear me and uh, my co-host, Joshua Fine, on the Grip Shirt Podcast. We're 163 episodes in. We'll be on episode 164 this coming week. Uh, light racing weekend uh, in general because of Easter weekend here in the U.S. And But, you know... Uh, I always say, and I said it just now on the grid talk on the fireside chat, if it goes fast, we usually talk about it on the Grip Strip podcast. You can find us at Grip Strip Pod on Twitter. You can find me at Philip G. Matthew on Twitter. Uh, you can also find Josh at J.P. Huffine. Uh, he also is a sim racer, a winner of the what used to be the iRacing Indy 500. It doesn't exist anymore because IndyCar had the bright idea of not working with iRacing anymore. Um, so he still is an Indy 500 champion there. So, um, that we always use that as part of his open, our YouTube page is Gripshire podcast. So the video feed of our show is also there. So you follow us, um, like subscribe and, uh, thanks for having me on Sophia. It was great having, uh, an opportunity to be on 
uh, the new Formula Talk show and um, talking about all these other series that really don't get to spend as much time on, even in my case on my show um, in the in the roundup. Well, it was definitely great to have you. And also, again, joining me for their Formula Talk debut, Jared, hit the apex. What about it? <laughs> yeah, um, so it's available on, on all good podcast platforms like your Apple, Spotify, Amazon, Google. Uh, I also write for a website called The Raw. I've been covering um, F1 for them for quite a while now. I live blog every Grand Prix or try to do every Grand Prix. Um, so, yeah, that's why I was at the Melbourne Grand Prix repping them and also wrote a couple of articles for F1 Chronicle to stay tuned for as well. And, yeah, thank you so much, Sophia, for having both of us on. It was really good. Oh, I loved y'all on it. Like, to be fair, we'll have definitely more opportunities. I would love to talk more about IndyCar, especially we'll maybe even look to do an Indy 500 episode, given that it's such a prolonged (laughs) couple weeks of it and discussing about other races throughout the entire season because there's a lot that we can cover and in such few amount of episodes and times. But if you've enjoyed this podcast, we would love it if you would take a five-star, take five to leave us a five-star rating on Spotify or a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. And if you're one of the 72% of people who have not yet subscribed to this channel, please consider helping us out with a like and subscribe. We'll be back next week to discuss any of the other uh, motorsport kind of news. Primarily, we'll be probably previewing IndyCar and maybe discussing a little bit more about Formula Academy, maybe even Super Formula now that that's taking place. Grid Talk is, well, Formula Talk is part of Grid Talk, which you can find us on YouTube, where most of the episodes are recorded live, minus Formula Talk for the time being. Hopefully soon. We said we would have it for the Australian review, but it might be even the Baku review, hopefully. We'll see. But you can find us on Amazon Fire, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Music, Verbal, and Pocket Cast. Just search Formula One Grid Talk for our back catalog of shows with previews and reactions to qualifying and race results. Please consider supporting our cha- uh, channel on Patreon so we can get mics, lights, and better recording equipment. And make sure you're subscribed so you're the first to know when each weekly episode is released. We'll be back soon for plenty more Formula Talk content. Thank you very much for joining me, guys. Really enjoyed having you guys. And thank you very much for listening to the Formula Podcast presented by Bet Online. And that is goodbye for me. Bye.